Before we get started with today's show, I would like to say thank you to some personal heroes of mine. Chris Nelson, the Top 3 Podcast Crew, Zolgeek, Colby Moyer, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Jill, Kieran, ZNA, Cupcake, Kyle, Christian S., Matt, aka Stormageddon, JD, and many more have all gone to patreon.com slash real Dave Jackson. To support the shows that we do here, I appreciate all of them very much, and you, listener, if you're wondering, hey, how can I get Dave to read my name out loud? Go to patreon.com slash realdavejackson. You can also have me read your name, as well as other cool treats like voting on episode topics, bonus episodes every now and then, and much more. Thank you, everybody, who does support the show this way. It means a lot to me. And with that being said, let's move on and kill chaos. Hello, everybody. My name is Dave Jackson, and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog. This is a video games review podcast where each week I am joined by a guest to talk about a game we played. Although today I'm joined by two wonderful guests, good friends of the show. First up, host of the Unlockables podcast and Cube enthusiast, Eric Guest. Welcome back. Dave, thank you so much, man, for having me back on. It's uh, It gets better every single time, so I hope I... Keep getting the invite back, and uh, let me tell you, if uh, you're in the market for cubes, I may know a guy. Are those cubes? There's cubes <laughs> over there. What I say every day driving down the road as I drive to work. Right. Uh, we're also joined today by the host of the Main Quest podcast and Chaos himself, Keith Gasper. Welcome back, dude. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me back, dude. Very pleasure. Yeah. Very appropriate response on this podcast today because we are talking about Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin today. But before we get into that, I will give you guys the customary time at the beginning of the episode to uh, remind the listeners, uh, both of you have been on the show a couple times each at this point. Eric was on uh, episodes about Metroid Dread and Undertale. Keith was on uh, Earthbound and Outer Wilds. So, Third time for both of you guys, but in case someone's listening for the first time, can you just give a quick rundown of what your shows are? Eric, I'll kick it to you first. Yeah, so Unlockables I build as the story of video games, people who play them, and the memories made along the way. So really just inviting guests on, talking to them about uh, what content they create and their love of video games and the memories they have around games. And then doing kind of deep dives on series that I loved growing up as a kid, as uh, anybody that knows me who's listened knows that I'm currently in the middle of a incredibly deep dive into the Kingdom Hearts series, and I've got some other uh, (laughs) deep dives coming along later in the year. So uh, that's pretty much what Unlockables is about. Yeah. Our friend Tetsuya Nomura had something to do with our game today. So this is <laughs> this is right up your alley. We, we may need your help in um, kind of untangling the mess of this game's story. But thank you for coming back on. The Unlockables is a show that I listen to every single week, a show that I uh, support on Patreon because I, I really like what you're doing over there. So uh, welcome back, Eric and Keith. Main quest. What's what's going on on the main quest these days? So I talk about retro gaming and retro gaming adjacent things. The catch for my show is that I'm actually 
replaying my childhood library of uh, video games. And so if you enjoy old games, like really old games, you can hear me talk about how those old games hold up today or mm -hmm. if they or if they don't sometimes they don't <laughs> and right. the further i progress into this little journey that i'm embarking on the more i am beginning to realize that i had some really shit tasted video games <laughs> but like i always say even if you disagree with me that's okay because it's okay to like a video game he said Correct. the thing Yes, everyone ring the bell. Um, <laughs> Keith is working through uh, all the games that he played um, from the beginning up until, you know, at, at some point you're going to stop. Um, I don't know when you decided that point, but um, working through all the what I really appreciate about main quest is when I say working through all the games you played, I mean, all the games you played, not just the hits along the way, everything you can remember playing. So it's incredibly meticulous. Yes. <laughs> um, right now at the time of recording, you're working your way through uh, Sega Genesis, if that's correct. And when this episode airs, uh, maybe you'll be out of Sega Genesis, but you are going chronologically. So you'll still be in that kind of time frame. Maybe you'll be in Super Nintendo by then. I doubt it unless this is coming out <laughs> next year. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So <laughs> on the Sega Genesis. So again, Main Quest, uh, another show that I listen to every week. A uh, high recommendation for both shows. We'll talk more about them at the break before the spoiler wall, but it's time to get into today's game, which again is Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, an action RPG developed by Team Ninja and published by Square Enix for contemporary consoles in 2022. Um, we have some elevator pitches in case you're listening and you don't know what this game is. I said. Stranger of Paradise is Neo meets Final Fantasy meets Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Eric, how about you? Yeah, I, uh, I jokingly told you that my elevator pitch was behold the field in which Jack Garland grows his fucks and see that it is empty. Uh, but I did put in parentheses, yes, waiter, someone got some Neo on my Final Fantasy game. <laughs> and Keith. That elevator pitch or whoever was sitting at that desk in the boardroom at Team Ninja was like, what if we. Make a Final Fantasy game for people who hate Final Fantasy games. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Uh, so we are going to get into what that all means. Why are we talking about Neo? Why is this for people who hate Final Fantasy games? Why is Limp Biscuit being mentioned at the beginning of this episode? <laughs> we'll get into that. Uh, first things first, this uh, game's playtime for me was um, 21 hours to get through the main story and do all of the side missions that were available. I didn't do any DLC. So 21 hours for me, Eric, Keith, how about you guys? I was right at the 20 hour mark when I finished up with this one. So right about the same time frame as you. And that was, yeah, pretty much doing all the main quests and a lot of the, a lot of, or most of those side missions. I don't really remember. Right. I, the last time I checked, I clocked in around, I want to say like between 32 and 34 hours. Oh, I wow. Pretty much did every single mission. And then I also dived into uh, chaos mode. Oh, chaos. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. We're going to start the counter for every time we say the word chaos in this episode. So, uh, spoiler policy for this episode is the regular spoiler policy for the show. We're not going to spoil the uh, story in the non spoiler section of this show. If you have not played this game, don't worry. We're not going to spoil what happens. 
So if you uh, want to tap out when the spoilers Dave, begin, Dave, nobody played this game. <laughs> nobody played. <laughs> well, we're this trying. Game. We're trying to get people <laughs> to play it, so you can listen to this episode and then tap out at the spoiler wall. Check down in the show notes. There's going to be a timestamp for when the spoilers begin. So, Keith, you said that nobody played this game. Why did you play this game? What interested you? What's your history with Stranger of Paradise? Because you were the first of our our group here to play this. Because it looked dumb as fuck. <laughs> that trailer. I mean, honestly, so I saw the trailer drop uh, in E3. Uh, was that E3 2020, I believe? Mm-hmm. I, I don't even remember anymore. Anyway, I saw that first reveal trailer. And just like everybody else on the internet just clowned on it because it was uh-huh. bad. I mean, it looked, everything about <laughs> the game looked absolutely terrible. And then the more I made fun of it, the more it started to grow on me in some weird way. And I think a couple months later, uh, they released another trailer, still looked incredibly bad. But they also dropped the demo as well. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm just going to check this demo out see what this is all about and man i had a really good time i <laughs> was like i can't believe how fun this game is to play mm-hmm. <laughs> and basically since then i was all about i was championing this game i, I felt like i was like the only person ex- excited for this game mm-hmm. <laughs> and um yeah man it's uh it's every bit as stupid as i thought it would be but it is I mean, I guess I'm spoiling my thoughts here. It's a good time. So yeah, that's that's kind of my history. It's kind of why I wanted to get into it. I, I just love, you know, there's there's some games that I play. Uh, I, I guess Resident Evil 6 is, is the best example where mm-hmm. it is dumb, stupid fun, but it takes itself way too seriously. Mm-hmm. And this is dumb, stupid fun, but it's I'm finding it very hard that it is taking itself seriously <laughs> at all. <laughs> So there's no way I feel like Team Ninja made this game as kind of a joke or kind of like a a, a way to sabotage the franchise in a way. And that's just <laughs> that's just me like, you know, just bouncing things off the wall here because it, it, it really seems like maybe somebody got under someone's skin at Team Ninja and they're just mm-hmm. like, all right, just write the shittiest script as possible. Like, who <laughs> fucking cares? Like the game's already done. We still need all the voice work, whatever. Just who cares about this thing? Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously that Tetsuo Nomura influence is in there towards the end. So it seems like they kind of worked that that in no matter what the plot was going to play out. But what is said and how that plot is carried along is incredibly dumb. And I'm all here for it as long as the game is fun to play. Yeah. So Keith was kind of championing this game, as he said. Um, he's not making that up. He was every every chance he got talking about this game. So Eric, was was that a factor in you wanting to play this? Because it was for me. It, it was originally. I remember I saw the trailer kind of the same time as everyone else did. And I, I believe I probably messaged Keith that day. And I'm like, I just I'm like, I cannot believe what we're watching right now. And mm-hmm. both <laughs> of us kind of proceeded to just clown on the game for, I think, months and then I, we started ironically saying, we're going to play this and review for the show. It's going to be awesome. And then that ironically became like unironically. We're like, yes, we're going to review it for the show and play it. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I just unfortunately never picked it up at, at the same time Keith did just because I don't know. I was just like, do I really want to prioritize playing this right now when I have other things I could be playing? And I'm already also drowning in Nomura bullshit with my Kingdom Hearts playthrough. <laughs> I was like, I don't need this right now. So I just kind of, I knew I always wanted to play it, but I was just like putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And so finally, when you texted texted me with the call, you're like, it's time. Do you want to do this? I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's time. Let, let's do it. And so I happened to have like a, a $30 coupon to GameStop or a rewards, whatever voucher. And this was on sale. So I got it for like 10 bucks. And I was like, well, okay, this $10 on my pocket, this will definitely be worth it for the entertainment value. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of went into it with the same expectations that uh, Keith did. It, it's, it was really stupid, but hearing what he had to say about it, uh, yeah, it was, it, it's a completely stupid game on, on so many levels. But uh, it, as we're about to talk about, it, it's was I had a really, really great time with it. There was never any point where I was like, this is dumb. I don't I want to stop doing this. And I think, too, in a weird kind of way, I grew to appreciate it towards the end, because if you've worshipped at the altar of Nomura as long as I have, you kind of start <laughs> to see his grand machinations playing out in the background. And I'll have a little oh, bit yeah. more to say. I have a little bit more <laughs> to say about that once we get past the spoiler wall. But uh, right. Yeah, it was. It was stupid and funny and just such a great game in a way that we don't get a lot of games like this anymore. Video games take themselves way too seriously nowadays. Like the older days, the PS2 days, we used to get all this like halfway, not triple A, like campy stuff that was just dumb, but really fun. We need more of it and I'm here for it. Mm -hmm. So are you saying, Eric, that you can see the Matrix when you're playing a Nomura game now? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> getting very close to that. And some of that is going to come into play in the spoiler wall. And I'm very okay. excited to talk about it. All right. So for me, it's that same thing you guys both just mentioned. That first trailer they showed was the the dumbest fucking game trailer I've ever <laughs> seen. And I at first I thought like maybe they did that on purpose to generate buzz. Like cuz you know the if you put out something like that, the internet will dunk on it for days on Twitter. But then I played the game and I realized like they didn't cut the trailer in a weird way to make it look like that. That's what the game is. So that like knowing that was a big factor in me wanting to actually play it instead of just like make fun of the trailer. Um, I like action games. I liked Neo for like the first 20 hours that I played it. So I'm not like completely turned off by a team ninja game. Um, and then like we've said, Keith was every chance Keith got talking about how fun this game was and how stupid, but in a good way it was. So like, that was the main thing. It just like, you know, gamer shit sat on my wish list for a long time. And I actually got this for Christmas. My parents uh, picked it off of my Amazon list and gave it to me for Christmas. So hell yeah, best Christmas <laughs> gift ever. <laughs> and um, to get into some kind of opening thoughts about it, uh, I, also think this game is a lot of fun. I enjoyed how like obviously not seriously they're taking the character of Jack and uh the story to some degree and I came out of it thinking that like I love a an interesting 7 out of 10 game, you know? Like I'll take an interesting 7 out of 10 game over a boring you know, you know 8.5 out of 10 open world game that's not memorable at all. I will take Stranger of Paradise over like a boring Assassin's Creed game every single time. 
So I think this is like the king of the seven of out of 10 game. There's some areas where it's not very good. And there's some areas where it's really fun. And then you have the Jack factor, which we're going to talk about <laughs> uh, once we get into the story here. But I think this game is really fun. And it's fun to experience uh, in a way that like, it, it was a novel experience, you know. Can I kind of touch on something you sort of brought up? Uh, yeah, Dave, in <laughs> that you talked about how the way the trailer was cut. Yeah. So this game, I, I just looked it up, didn't sell for shit, which I obviously had a hunch that right. <laughs> that was the case. Uh, it sold barely 47,000 copies. <laughs> Woof. Yeah. Not great. Only for like 47,000 as in five figures? Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so... In relation to the way the trailer was cut, it makes me wonder what the reception would have been like had Team Ninja or Square Enix, whoever put the trailer together, made it seem like this was a more serious game than what it was. If it looked mm -hmm. something like Final Fantasy 16, and then when the game comes out, you play it, and it's almost like you're being spit on or something, <laughs> you know, like... I feel like maybe the game would have sold better, maybe, but then also I feel like there'd be way more backlash to this game than it actually got. Because I, I feel like being up completely upfront about it, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, right? Yeah, they they kind of made sure that like the people who are in the pocket for what this game's story and characters are, they're the ones who played it. So they didn't. I guess they didn't want to surprise people in that negative way, but. 47,000 copies. If if that's like the up-to-date figure, that is rough. I did read too that uh, the Japanese development team, I don't, I don't remember who the producers and directors were on this game because uh, I don't know if it matters or not, but they were really caught off guard with how much the chaos thing caught on and exploded and they were really kind of off put that that was the thing that we latched onto over here on, <laughs> uh, on the Western audience, which is like... <laughs> It's long enough. They should understand that if they're going to include that in their trailer, that we're going to, as Westerners to latch on to the dumbest, stupidest aspect of a already ridiculous game. So, I mean, you should have known. Yeah. I mean, if if you don't know about the trailer yet, I mean, look up that first reveal trailer. They are dropping the name Chaos every seven seconds. It's uh -huh. not it's an a glorious work of art. <laughs> yeah. So... Let's uh, let's take a little music break. When we get in, we're going to talk about the story setup and, of course, chaos. So in Stranger of Paradise, this is an original concept by our good friend, Tetsuya Nomura, uh, someone that Eric knows all about. Um, I have very little experience with Nomura except for some Final Fantasy um, involvement. Uh, did not play Kingdom Hearts. So this is probably the most Nomura story that I've experienced, the most crazy with twists and turns. And we'll talk about all that stuff later. Uh, one of the key things that they kind of marketed this as 
um, is that this is set in a dark fantasy version of the world from the first Final Fantasy game. This game was released to commemorate, I believe, like the 35th anniversary of Final Fantasy or 30th, something like that. Um, so, Keith, did I? you went way back on Main Quest. Did you play Final Fantasy, the first one? I did review it for my show. And that's okay. the other thing I wanted to bring up, too, is because this before the game was revealed, it leaked that Team Ninja was working on a fan, a Final Fantasy remake. The right Final fa- like fi- the first one, right? Uh, which initially <laughs> is what would uh, got me super interested. And then, yeah, the, when that trailer dropped, I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eric, did you play Final Fantasy the first one? No, I did not. But I knew enough about it just being exposed to the world and the fandom of Final Fantasy for as long as I have that. As soon as I saw the trailer, I immediately knew what they were going for. So, yeah, have not went back and played it. I don't know. Based on on Keith's review, I don't know if I <laughs> need to do that. I think maybe I've heard enough. But uh, well, I, yeah. to be to be fair, I I played the original NES version. There are right. better versions of the first game that exists. Right. Like right. The, I would consider doing the Pixel Remaster now that that's available. So if, mm-hmm. if I do, that will be the avenue by which I go back to explore it. I can't possibly imagine that stranger of paradise is going to be my only impression of the world of final fantasy (laughs) one right so it it is set in that world and i i I didn't play the original final fantasy i'm way more interested in playing it after playing this game uh, but we'll get into why uh, later in this game you play as jack garland uh, who is on a quest to kill chaos Uh, chaos whose darkness has begun to corrupt the world Uh, Jack meets up with fellow adventurers Ash, Jed, and Neon, and the four of them believe they're going to fulfill the prophecy from the original Final Fantasy game, the Warriors of Light, a prophecy who are going to cleanse the world's elemental crystals and defeat chaos. And so before we talk about the story or anything else about this game, we just have to talk about Jack for a little bit, because this game is Jack. This is a game, it's an action game a team ninja game, but it almost exists like this story almost exists for a long time to just let Jack cook. So I will turn it over <laughs> to one of you guys, whoever wants to try and describe Jack, man, the best, what can I say about our good friend, Jack Garland that you don't already know from the memes. Uh, <laughs> he is a singularly driven individual whose sole purpose for existing is like we saw in the trailers and everything around this game uh, is to kill chaos and mm-hmm. he will not let anything or anyone distract him from his goal in so much as that uh, we see multiple times throughout the playing of this game, whether, uh, you know, he ain't got time for villain monologues halfway through villain monologues. He'll just be nope. like, shut the fuck up and try and punch you in the face. <laughs> um, if his party members come to him with, they're like, hey, Jack, like, I really just got to get this off my chest. He does not <laughs> have time for your emotional well-being. Uh, or if it's getting hit on by the princess of the kingdom, Jack ain't got time for that. He is solely, solely driven by his sole desire to eliminate chaos. And that is his only prime 
objective. And it's somewhat refreshing to have a main character that is solely driven by the main objective of the game. Whereas, like, if you're in Skyrim and the Dovahkiin, it's like, yes, you're supposed to kill the dragon. But, like, hey, can you find my five chickens for me? Hey, can you go off and explore this tunnel? Like, Jack ain't got time for that. He's here to do his job, and that's all he wants to do. Uh-huh. If you've ever played a um, a game where like the main character has a main quest that they need to be focused on, but they're like, yeah, sure, I'll help you round up your chickens or uh, yeah, I'll help you find your lost dog or something like that. Jack will not. If someone comes up to Jack <laughs> and he's like, and they're like, hey, uh, sorry, my sheep escaped. Can you help me? And he's like, no. And then he would just keep walking. It's he is that focused on chaos. He is what the children call based. <laughs> Yeah, what what you see in those trailers is exactly what you are getting. Uh, that yeah. was part of the humor to me, was just how unbelievably transparent those trailers were with who Jack is as a character. I believe there is a moment in the game where he's in Corneria, and the princess is telling him, she keeps it, chaos isn't real, Jack. Chaos doesn't exist. And he punches the princess. <laughs> Just of the fact that she was telling him that whatever it is he wants isn't real. Yeah. There's another scene uh, pretty early in the game. And I think this was in a trailer. It was definitely in the demo. It's not a big spoiler. Where one of your party members is going on this monologue, basically talking about how chaos might not be real. The people need a reason to... Uh, hate something to give them hope that like, Hey, if we kill this, we'll make our lives better. It's this like long, like pretty good monologue, like decent voice acting, good writing. I thought. And at the end, Jack just goes bullshit. And he fucking turns on an iPod, turns on this like song that sounds exactly like Lincoln park and walks away. <laughs> and that is, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen that, I'm, I'm not making this up. There is a new metal <laughs> song in the game he has a fucking iPod or a smartphone or something. He puts in headphones and walks away from the group. And he goes outside. This He he takes his headphones out and he's like, no, I know chaos is still out there. And then he keeps walking. <laughs> I, I ate up all of the reels and the TikToks and stuff of that scene. Yeah. And the people are just putting in different songs. So be like, <laughs> different yeah. songs, yeah. <laughs> Saliva, or like he walks away and plays like Puddle of Mud or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's just walking around, walking out of the castle. It's like, she fucking hates me. <laughs> I think another one uh, of my uh, favorite Jack moments, too, is there's a, a part in the game where uh, the main city of uh, Corneria, or Cornelia, Cornelia, not Corneria, that's Star Fox, right? Yeah. Um, gets attacked and like the the princess is like comforting a boy because his parents got like killed or something and she's like jack say something to him and he's like where's the mayor like that's all he <laughs> that's, that's all he cares about he doesn't care if this little kid's parents just got murdered by like dark monsters he's just like where's the mayor i need him to tell me where chaos is and then just walks away jack ain't got time for for dead parents or orphan kids one of my favorites was uh in that city you go to an inn early in the game and you go up to the innkeeper and the innkeeper is like, oh, Jack, good to see you. You must be tired. How about a rest? And Jack just goes, Ugh. and then he's like, <laughs> I thought you'd say that. And then he shows him to his room. He is incredible. And like, actually, one of my critiques of this game is that 
all the, all of my favorite Jack stuff happens in like the first six hours of the game. And then it takes like 10 hours of like nothing. And then yeah, it really at the dies end, down. Yeah. yeah. At the end you get more Jack, but like the story mm. is fully in gear by then. He's, he's not, you know, like he's not punching the princess for, inner for like telling him <laughs> that his goal isn't real or something. So like, I really wish that this game just let Jack cook for the entire game and not just the first third of it. Right. Yeah. I I did because uh, one of the final boss fights is the Lich King or the Lich King. Isn't that like a destiny boss or something? This game has a lot in common. We're thinking of World of Warcraft Warcraft thing. Uh, (laughs) Whatever. It's the Lich or whatever. And the boss is introducing himself and Jack cuts him off midway. He's like, I don't give a fuck what your name is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it really took me by surprise. Cause I was like, Oh right. Jack is f- fucking stupid. Like yeah. <laughs> he doesn't give a shit. Like, <laughs> But it is, it is refreshing to finally, like we all kind of wish like the, the, vi- the villain goes up and starts monologuing mm-hmm. at the hero and stuff. And you're just like, man, just like go fucking punch him in the face. And Jack, it's exactly what Jack does. He interrupts him, <laughs> jumps up and punches him in the face. It's like one of those cases where you're like, man, I just want to skip this cutscene. Like, I do not care about this. Yeah. But luckily, Jack <laughs> is there for you. Exactly. Right. He doesn't care about it either. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I really enjoyed the times when the game let Jack cook. Um, I really enjoyed that. And I came out of this game wanting more. I, I was actually like wishing I was like, I want more cutscenes. I want more jack talking to people i want more people monologuing at jack and then how he reacts to that and instead in like the middle section of the game there's a lot of just like okay we're here now we got to find the earth crystal and that's it and then you get some of those moments like um like eric mentioned like a party member is like jack i i you know something's really weighing on my mind i gotta talk to you and jack just like fucking pushes him out of the way with his shoulder (laughs) and just keeps walking but there's not a lot of that um you know, the, the part where he turns on like the iPod is like a, a real standout moment and nothing really reaches that point ever again after like the first three hours. And most of the party is just like, okay with this behavior. Like whenever yeah. these episodes yeah. do happen, they're just like, oh, well, you know, that's Jack. That's just how he is. And they're just totally, totally fine with it. You know, it's just like, Jack's just going to be Jack. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's uh, it's, I guess it's like anime rules where Jack is like clearly the strongest fighter in the party. So they're just like, yeah, well, that's how he is. And we're just, we're following him because he's the strongest. <laughs> I mean, there's kind of story reasons for it, but I, I guess we won't get into it yeah. now. Yeah. But. <laughs> Overall, I thought the, the story at the beginning was the Jack show. And then in the middle, it was like the, get the, the four crystals, like the prophecy says that you're going to. And then at the end, the story gets fucking wild. And I actually really like where the story goes at the end. I thought it was really entertaining. Yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying, because as the game went on, as it did kind of fall into that, that lull when it wasn't really the Jack show anymore, I was like, oh, there's a fucking story in here. And it's super convoluted <laughs> because of it's because it's my proxy Final Fantasy. Yes. And uh, then towards the end, like because I had, you know, towards the end, like I was already kind of checked out. I didn't care anymore. And we'll also get to the well, I mean, I may as well say it now. I also thought this game was a little too long, even though I played it for like fucking 35 hours or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think the game's a little too long for what it actually is. Yeah. But 
yeah, towards the end, when the story finally started to come together, and because I have basically played every Final Fantasy, and I know Kingdom Hearts exists, I, um, <laughs> I, I, as soon as credits roll, I, I'm pretty sure that's when I texted Eric, and I was like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the story really actually surprised me by the end. I just wish... I guess it just wasn't so it, it really just sags in the middle of the game. Mm -hmm. It does feel like it wants to do a lot of things. Uh, I think the length has to do more with they had the idea in mind that it was a, <clears throat> a Final Fantasy celebration. Right. And there are a reason why there are so many levels, because they want to incorporate all these different themes from the games for 35 years. That doesn't excuse away the fact that. And some of them might not have been necessary. We could have maybe moved it on a little bit because, yeah, I agree with you guys. The middle of the game is very much like we're just going to the places and finding the crystals and, you know, nothing really new of substance is happening to the point where when it does start kicking off towards the end and all the Namora stuff comes back, I'm like, oh, yeah, I I'm into it now. I'm feeling it. Uh -huh. This is I was missing <laughs> this. I was missing the drip of BS for like 10 to 15 hours, but it is back. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually think that the the pacing and the length of the game is kind of padded out by how the gameplay is structured, like how the level selects are set up with the missions and side missions. Um, and that is straight out of Neo. That is a Team Ninja thing. So like you'll do your main story mission. You'll maybe get some story in that. But then in order to level up, you have to do some side missions. Um, and there's like, next to no story at all in those side missions. It's just like, go through the level backwards and then fight a new boss at the end of it. And like, so that really contributes to pacing, struggling, like in the middle section for sure. Yeah. Those side missions suck. <laughs> yes. I, I cannot take him seriously. Dude. He's just, I can't tell what's going on behind his mirror glasses. And then he just speaks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the listeners are really missing out on an outstanding <laughs> Keith performance right now. Um, so let's take a little music break. When we come back, we'll get into talking about the gameplay and why it kind of contributes to that pacing struggle. So in Stranger of Paradise, like I said before, this is structured like Neo or um, Neo 2 even, <laughs> or uh, the new one, Wolong Fallen Dynasty, I, I think is uh, similar to this too, where it's, it's missions. It's not an open world game. You select missions from a mission select menu. The levels themselves are super linear. Uh, there is not much to... No real reason to explore other than if you want, you know, your 60th sword of the level, go ahead and poke around corners. You might find number 60. And then those side missions, like we said, you, you have to do them to level up to get up to the level of the next story mission. But they're all just like, yeah, we, the, the level's backwards now. Go, go, go do it. And you feel like you have to do them. All three of us said that we did all or mostly all of them, but I really think that this structure contributes to the pacing really struggling in the middle. And if you're tired of how the game's going, 
Um, if you think the game is too long, it's probably because you're tired of this thing where it's like do a mission and then the next main story mission, let, let's say you love the story and you want to see the next one. Well, it's 15 levels higher than you. You have to go do some side missions and they kind of suck. And really the only way to the, this game, we'll t- I'm sure we're going to touch on it when we get to like the job system and combat and stuff like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. which should be in moments. But uh, there is no way to level up other than get higher level gear. Yeah. And you're only able to get level gear up to the level that the mission is. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you have to go and do these higher level side missions to like, get the higher level gear so you can get to the higher level main mission which are sometimes like 20 25 levels higher than the mission you just did (laughs) so yeah it's definitely a way for them to pad it out i will say that like one of the pro tips i kind of realized as i went through like the back half of the game is you can start a mission that you're like 20 levels too low for if you kill like five enemies you'll get a bunch of equipment that's 20 levels higher than you so you can pretty easily get up to that level um, but they're going to hit you really hard. So if you're mm-hmm. like, if you're struggling with the combat, that's going to be really tough to do. Uh, and some of the side missions are really hard when they're like, you know, go kill these master tonberries that are f- 10 levels higher than you. They're mm-hmm. assholes and it's tough. You know who else is tough? That guy on the screen right next to me. That's who. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. <laughs> stoically, stoically taking this all in. Um, so this game's gameplay is, uh, extremely similar to Neo or another character action game. Uh, R1 does attack. You have a block, you have a parry, you have a dodge. These are pretty much the same as every single video game, except, uh, I found the parry way too hard to do. So I never did it in this game. Are you talking about just like the general block or like the, the parry that consumes like soul and consumes your the, the stamina general bar? Yeah, oh, the, the general one. Okay. The regular one. Um, but if you if you time it correctly, maybe with a certain job, you can actually do a parry um, and like a, a counterattack. But too hard for me. And as we'll get to uh, with that, that magic block, what did I what's called a soul block? Um, mm-hmm. I, I never even tried because the soul block is is too good. Uh, so what that is, is um, you have a posture meter and you can trade your posture meter to block with this special block, use circle, I think it is. Uh, And if you block with this, it will block anything in the game, basically. And if you do it correctly um, and don't like deplete your stamina, you'll refill your magic. So this is how you refill your magic in the game, other than by uh, killing stuff, which we'll talk about. So instead of blocking like in a traditional game, I just use this soul block for like the entire game. It's supposed to be a trade-off between trading your posture and stamina for uh, the opportunity to do this, but it's really not hard to to pull it off. Interesting. I guess I must be just getting old and bad at video games because <laughs> I tried that a few times, and after like running out of my posture meter, I was just like, "Well, this is no fun. I think I'm just going to go to the old, uh, you know, dodge, roll out of the way, and then go in for a slice, and then never, never block at all because the best defense is a good offense." That's true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll, I mean, we're going to talk about the job system in a moment, but, uh, I think it's very interesting that they decided to take the blue mage out of the job system and just make it part of a, like a special type of parry. Mm-hmm. I think that was mm-hmm. a really good idea on their part uh, because it also opens up the gameplay a lot more when you're just taking out, you know, general 
general enemies, you know, on your way to the boss or through the stages or whatever. Yeah. So what Keith is referring to is that when you use that soul block on specific attacks, uh, mostly spells um, that are coded with uh, purple, they'll show up as purple on your screen. Uh, you can block it and then absorb it. And then you can use that spell a couple of times. So if you block like a really strong fire spell with that, then you can use that spell for free a couple of times. And it, it's number one, it mixes up the gameplay because you're going to be going through the levels, killing a bunch of stuff. And it does give you a really strong attack that you can use for free. It doesn't use your magic meter at all. Uh, so that can be really helpful to, if you can, go into a boss fight with a couple of those saved up or use them on that tough mini boss that's been giving you trouble. So the other part of your um, combat is the right trigger does skills. So if you're, let's say you're using a magic user, that will use that will do your magic spells. If you are a dragoon, that will be your jump attack, the classic jump. And what's cool about this is that in your button combos, you can set different skills to different things. So if you just press R2, it will do one thing. But if you press R1, R2, then you'll do a different spell. And you can put on these really strong like finishing moves, basically, on the end of your button combos. And I liked to do that with um, an attack that does like big posture damage to enemies, because that's the secret to killing stuff, including bosses, is posture damage. So that was really cool, like customizing, like, okay, I want the regular R2 to be my mage spells, and then I want the R1, R1, R2, what my, <laughs> in my button mashing tendencies, what's the most likely th combo for me to hit? I want that one to be like the big posture damage spell. And I had a good time customizing those. Yeah, I think that definitely showcases the strength that, like we said, we highlighted the job system, whereas uh, it really gives you an incentive to play around with the different jobs. And I think they give you, what, 15, 20 different jobs that there are, uh, you can unlock there are, that. There are 28. Yeah, that, yeah, 28. Okay, so yeah, so it gives you a lot of different jobs to like kind of customize your play style. So, uh, for example, like the ones I found myself going to the most were I, I like, I don't know if you mentioned it, Dave, but I really did like the Dragoon class with the jump ability. I thought that was mm -hmm. really, really useful. And then uh, for my second ability, they give you the ability to hit the triangle button and switch to your secondary class so that you're not yeah. always having to navigate menus, which Great, great thought on their part because you do uh, spend a lot of time optimizing stuff in menus in this game. So the last mm -hmm. time I have to be in menus, absolutely better. So I had my secondary class set to the just standard black mage class because a lot of enemies have a certain elemental weakness. And right. so I always found myself wanting to like open an encounter, open an engagement with like if something was weak to fire with like a big Faraga spell. And then that would take off a pretty good chunk of their their posture bar. And I could just run in and get a couple of standard attack, standard combos in, finish that off. And then you're able to uh, perform a finishing move with Jack where he just pretty much manhandles the, the monster and will either just like punch them to death or slam them on the ground or throw them in the air and they explode in a shower of red crystals. And yeah. That has the added benefit of increasing your MP bar for that specific section of the game, allowing you to dip into more of those R2 combos. So the, the job system combined with the way the combo system works kind of gives you this natural way of playing the game to always be managing your MP and your combos and stuff like that. And I just thought that it was way deeper than I honestly expected coming from this game when I first saw it. Is this the most, this is the most violent Final Fantasy, right? 
Oh, yeah. It's got to be. By far. I mean, oh, we didn't even talk about that intro cinematic. But when I first turned this game on, you know what? Before you even turn this game on, uh, I don't know what you guys played it on. I played it on my PS5. Yep. But when same. you just highlight the game, music just screams <laughs> at you. Choirs screeching yeah. at you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then that intro cinematic of... Uh, it's not even a spoiler. They said it in press releases. But Jack, as Garland, going through you know the castle with Sarah over his shoulder and just like literally beheading soldiers... Yeah. There's yeah. just like blood everywhere and they're turning into crystals and like exploding and shit. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, baby. This is yeah. <laughs> this is some like edgelord shit. I'm totally all about this. Oh. Like, give me <laughs> Dude, this. Those and those kill animations when you get like those finishing moves, it's like uh, you know It's Doom Eternal, but in Final mm-hmm. Fantasy. Right. It's those Doom <laughs> kill killing moves or uh the, the new God of War games have them too. They're hilarious because not only do you crystallize the enemies and kill them in the most brutal way, but Jack yells at them as he's doing it. He's yelling like, <laughs> die, 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 as he's fucking just punching them to death. I thought these were really fun and also very like cathartic to mm-hmm. do this to all of the Final Fantasy enemies that have ever given you trouble in any Final mm-hmm. Fantasy game. Doing it to Tonberries and Cactars and Marlboros was awesome. All the trouble that Marlboros caused me in Final Fantasy X, I am crystallizing and I'm punching them in the fucking mouth in this game. My favorite finisher still is when he grabs a Shinra soldier and pile drives it into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's not even the most violent one. It's just so blunt. <laughs> yeah. I like when he just grabs the the bombs or that the, like the spherical elementals when they're dead and just squeezes them down until they're just, mm-hmm. they're just nothing left. But until they burst. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I found the Tonberry one actually like a a very stark departure for most of them because like when you finish the Tonberry, he just kind of walks up to it slowly and just touches it on the head and it just kind of explodes. And you're like, yeah, oh, Rest now. OK, <laughs> rest now. Your work is over with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I found it interesting, too, that uh, he most of them, not all of them, because some of them he does use the weapon as a finisher for all of the vast amount of weapons that Jack appears to be proficient with. Most, I would say most of the finishers, he opts to just finish with his bare fucking hands. Yeah. He's just like, mm-hmm. I don't need this yep. giant ass sword. I'm just going to finish you the old fashioned way. Yeah. The, the one with the Marlboro, he grabs its tongue and like pulls it to pull it close to it and then just punches it in the face <laughs> until it explodes. Uh, the one with the cactar is really funny too. Cause the, you know, cactars are famous in the games for running away from you. And right. they do give the, the, those familiar enemies, those familiar characteristics in this game, the cactars do run away from you. They have a special dodge move and stuff like that. So when you do catch up to one, he goes like, get over here and grabs it and just like tosses it up in the air as it squeals. <laughs> it's really good. Like if you have history with final fantasy, these are you, you're going to love these. Yeah. There is a lot of love put into this game and a lot of those levels uh, again, there's story reasons why they are going through these levels, the levels that they are, but they recreate certain aspects of certain games. So, you know, one level is dedicated to Final Fantasy III, another level is dedicated to Final Fantasy X, and so on. So there's a lot of love put into this game for something that's supposedly to celebrate the franchise, you know, but there's also, like, 
this again, it goes back to my my um what do you call it? The elevator pitch. Yeah. There's a lot of Final Fantasy fans that don't want to touch this game, and I get it. <laughs> I totally get it. it. It definitely is poking fun at like if you if you take the the series really seriously, it is poking fun at a lot of that stuff for sure. One kind of concern that I had before playing this uh, was that Neo is really fucking hard. And I like the way that Neo was hard was not interesting to me. Like it introduced a ton of grind. So if you wanted it to be manageable, you had to grind and grind and grind. I didn't like I did the side missions in this game, but the combat's fun. And the side missions are like they're like 10 minutes, 15 minutes long. It's not a big commitment. But did you guys find this game to be like difficult as you're going through it, like boss fights and stuff like that? There were certain times where I felt there were difficulty spikes around certain bosses because, you know, a lot of the enemies are designed where you can fight them like one on one where the bosses are designed to like basically fight your entire party. So there's a lot of like AOE stuff with bosses that comes out really fast and just seems kind of unavoidable unless you're really ready for it or really learned the boss patterns. But uh, to me, I didn't find it difficult. My, the biggest thing I was afraid of in this game was like, okay, obviously it's got the whole, like you said, the whole Neo slash Souls mechanic of like going to these cube spots that are basically your quote unquote, <laughs> like your bonfires, essentially. And when you activate them, the enemies respawn and stuff. And I was like, well, my biggest fear is like, I don't want to like die in between one of these journeys and like lose a bunch of my stuff or something like that. And the biggest thing in this game is death doesn't really seem to have any consequence really right. like i found i found dying to like not be that big of an inconvenience except like it sends me back to like the previous cube that i was at so i think that not having the the flip side of that is like there's no penalty for dying as mm -hmm. in like a game that has this kind of challenge threshold should maybe have something a little bit i think maybe like your mp it's halved or like set back to like what it normally is before you build it up or something it's, like it's that. reset if you die it's yeah. reset back to like your base level of magic but but that's, that's not terrible like once you break a couple posture bars and then do jack's finishing kill your mp's basically back up to where it was so it's not right it's not such a hard punish right you don't lose anything because there's no currency in this game there's nothing right. to buy uh so like you literally you don't get money all you get is loot from stuff uh so they they're not going to make you like lose the equipment you pick up so it is just back to the checkpoint basically dude every time you approach the cubes like when you find new ones your party comments on it and it cracked me up every single time like you turn a corner and one of your party members is like oh cubes and i was like yeah, cubes it's so funny because it happens all like five times per level are those cubes and they mark it very clearly on the map so you like you know kind of where you're going like yeah. the level designs gets a little bit labyrinth like in the later levels but you mostly know where you're going because it's marked on your map at all times. And yeah, once you get to like within 50 steps or whatever of the thing, you're like, oh, as soon as I turn this corner, I know they're going to talk about the fucking cubes. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, the levels are pretty linear. I would almost say it's not even worth really exploring any of the levels because you're just going to end the level with a shit ton of loot that you don't even want anyway. Dude. So like, yeah, I mean, towards the end, the yeah, the levels, especially the... uh the tower level, the which is I think is like a Final Fantasy XI callback. Um, that tower, I I hated that tower, but 
as far as the difficulty goes, I didn't really find it that difficult. I, for fuck's sake, I played chaos mode for like six hours, so <laughs> uh, which is the hardest difficulty difficulty which you unlock after you first beat the game. Yeah. Um, but I think just I just got you know I didn't really touch on the the game mechanics or anything like that, but I uh, got really good at the combos because I, I don't know. I think maybe Eric mentioned it. I got really good at switching between the jobs that I had equipped. And if you do it just right, they have terminology for it. I don't remember what it's called. But if you successfully combo into another job, it basically gives you mm-hmm. free use of magic. So you get uh, basically a free hit on somebody and you can keep going to casting your next spell. And I got really good with that. And you basically just melt the enemy's health off of them. You know, so stuff like that, I got I got really, really super good at. Yeah, it, it's not a super difficult game. Like the bosses, you you do have to learn their moves. And I felt like I had to really use that soul block to recharge my magic um, and use it carefully so that I don't get like stunned out of all my posture. But I didn't think this game was that <clears throat> hard. There was no boss that took me more than like three tries. And so... I was worried because I thought Neo was really difficult. And this is, I think, much easier than Neo. The characters in your party are garbage. They They, don't do shit. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They don't do anything, which is par for the course for these types of games. Uh, Mm -hmm. I feel like this battle system is very, uh, it's very close to what Final Fantasy VII Remake is, except they take out the quote-unquote ATB gauge, essentially. So you're not slowing down time or anything. You're doing everything real time. And the party members are just as useless as the party members were in Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's very, very frustrating. Yeah, I felt like they tried to make a big emphasis on your party where they're like, you make sure to switch out your parties and, oh, your your party members have learned new jobs and make sure to switch it up and experiment. And I think I switched characters and jobs like for them every single mission and I didn't feel any noticeable difference in anything that i was doing i think (laughs) maybe the only job the only time i noticed a difference was when i unlocked uh the whatever the next level of the black mage job is the more powerful yeah the sage or something like that and you had access to the flare spell which absorbs all of your mp and just like wipes the area and every once in a while when i would command my party members to use their abilities the one girl would pop flare and just kind of wipe them off be like oh cool like you did something for once it's 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 a good feeling yeah um but yeah i feel like the the bulk of the combat and stuff is is designed like for jack the job system is designed for you to play as jack and kind of have that power fantasy and i i don't want to understate like how i i felt like and keith kind of was telling me about it before i played it he was like yeah the job system is is really good and i felt like the job system was really good and it was really rewarding to like try and there was enough variety there. Like you would think with 28 different jobs that you'd just be like, oh, eventually everything's just going to kind of be slight alterations of what came before. But to me, it was different enough to give me a variety of, of gameplay experiments and uh, want to experiment with trying different classes. And I didn't feel like anything was one, like kind of the same or one to one or anything like that. Yeah, I think this is like the best job system in any Final Fantasy. I I've said that a lot about this game. I still think it's true. A lot of people will be like, oh, yeah, Final Fantasy V. No, no, this ain't Final Fantasy. This ain't your daddy's Final Fantasy. <laughs> um, and and the it's combat- so cool to see. 
it's so cool to see those realize in a 3D live action space. Like I've only ever seen like the Dragoon or the Thief in a turn based setting. So to see how that's translated into real time action it was super cool. I, I'll admit when I because I use the Dragoon a lot, it's pretty OP. It's yeah. Good. And yeah. when I hit the jump button, I literally thought maybe Jack is going to be gone for like five minutes. Right. Like, it's instantaneous. <laughs> yes, exactly. like, it's basically instantaneous. But I was waiting for right. the game to really like have this like deep cut of just your your character being gone for for a while. But uh yeah, I yeah. and also going back again to to my elevator pitch. I love this combat. I love the combat in this game. I want it for all of my Final Fantasies. And at the time of this recording, basically like the combat for Final Fantasy 16 was revealed and everybody hates it. And I'm like, no, I'm totally for it. Like this looks like Strangers of Paradise, a little <laughs> bit more refined. Give me this Devil May Cry bullshit. I want it <laughs> in my Final Fantasy. Yeah. There's a lot of room for expression in the combat and the job system really sets that up. I, I think they were super creative with making all of these jobs have like pretty unique abilities. And like if you are playing on a high difficulty mode um, or if you're doing the DLC, which I hear is like super challenge stuff, a lot of these jobs have a bunch of like they felt very difficult to understand. But once you master them, they'd be really fucking good like unique mechanics for each job. So that was cool. One aspect that the job system puts in this game is there is, uh, in my opinion, there is an egregious amount of loot that you pick up. This game has the most loot of any game I've ever played. Legit, no exaggeration, a hundred items of equipment per level that you'll pick up. And you have limited inventory space, which is why, why, just why in this game would they limit you? So Every like five missions, I would have to go in the menu and just clear out all the garbage that I was never going to use. And it's it's a it's a product of having 28 different jobs because each job like each um, piece of equipment you have has like a job affinity to it. So they have to have equipment that has affinity for all fucking 28 jobs. And it just results in you picking up so much loot that it's insane. Every enemy explodes in like six pieces of equipment, swords and greaves and fucking chest armor and helmets and all this stuff. The good part of that, though, on the flip side, is that in the cutscenes they show all of your fucking weird outfits that you're wearing. And it's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. This game has the fashion in this game is out of a I don't I don't know if it's a Nomura wet dream or a fever dream or what it is, but it, it is, <laughs> you know, it, it is the Nomura joke of belts and zippers and just everything that is joked about with him come come to life. It's it's beautiful and haunting and terrifying all at the same time. But yeah, I'm glad you did bring up the loot because even even for a person like me, I'm I'm a loot gremlin. I I played destiny one for years and loved loot i'm a monster mm -hmm. hunter world sicko i have 700 different fucking combinations of gear for every <laughs> single monster and even i was like this is too much loot why are we doing all this loot who's all this loot for mm -hmm. and i really appreciate a game that really wants to try to give you as many tools as possible to express yourself in any way you want possible there's there's too much loot. There's too there's too much loot. Like, what? Who is all this loot for? Why do we need this? I got to the point where I was so sick and tired of 
optimizing my character after I picked up a new piece of loot every single time that I saw that little optimize button down at the bottom of the menu. And I was like three fourths of the way through the game. I'm like, fuck this. I'm not messing with loot anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not messing with gear. Let me ask you guys this. The gimmick behind that is you're supposed to dismantle all of your loot and like go to the blacksmith and get material for it and level up the gear you like. Did you guys do this at all in the entire game? Yeah, you did do it. Yeah. Let me tell you, first of all, how easy you guys have it (laughs) because when i went on shout out to gaming together to talk about this game Mm -hmm. they told me that they changed the menus there was a patch that they changed the menus and so when i played this game at launch you could not optimize anything you could not go through the list and highlight every single piece of weaponry or uh, armor at all you had to go through each single one Oh, <laughs> do you God. want to dismantle this and say yes there was no sorting there was none of that none <laughs> i also that. heard there were only like 400 inventory slots too until they patched in they had to patch in more inventory slots because yeah, your prob- inventory would fill up after like one mission i feel like that's probably correct <laughs> uh i i remember it had to be correct because every single mission i was trying to get rid of at least a hundred pieces of loot <laughs> yeah and it would take that was probably also took up much of my uh gameplay time as well so yeah that that's part of that it fucking sucked so you guys have no idea how easy oh, you yeah. had it but also i mean yeah and that's also why i did a lot of the side missions also was to basically upgrade my weapons and upgrade uh my jobs you know I, there was that bit of bit of dopamine and mm-hmm. even to like uh, the fact that there is so much loot in this game, I think that's one of the aspects of Final Fantasy that they lost because there's nothing more rewarding than going through a dungeon or a hidden area that you stumble upon and finding some sweet ass weapons. And in this game, you find so many weapons and armor. It means nothing. It yeah. literally means nothing. There's nothing special about these items at all. Right. It's some of my favorite parts of Final Fantasy games is having like that long hidden quest line for that ultimate weapon or something that mm-hmm. you just do and fulfill. And if I, it really feels like something special when you find it. And every time I saw a chest in a room, I just dreaded it because I knew that 14 pieces of like shiny, randomly colored gear were just going to pop out. I'm like, this doesn't mean anything. Maybe one of these will be slightly better than the gear I already have. And the reason I posed the question is to like, did anybody utilize the blacksmith was because I didn't feel like I ever had to upgrade my gear because I just knew I would get better gear in the next level. Mm -hmm. I mean, it might've not been exactly the stats I wanted for the build I was going for, but it was going to be higher level stuff that would increase my base stats overall. So I just didn't like, I feel like the blacksmith is just kind of like a joke at that point. Yeah. So I didn't do the blacksmith stuff either because you're you're not enhancing like the damage that your weapons do. You're enhancing their special traits and their special traits are like plus 2% damage against flying enemies or something. And then when you upgrade it, it's like plus 4% damage to flying enemies. Mm-hmm. Aren't you glad you spent that time in the menus? <laughs> so I never did that shit ever. And it's it's partly because of that, but mostly what you already said that... I knew that in five minutes, I'm going to, in the next mission, I'm going to pick up a better sword. So why upgrade this sword that I have now? Um, If you're playing on higher difficulty or if you're doing the DLC stuff, yeah, you probably have to optimize to that level, but not for the base difficulty in the slightest. 
So I barely changed any of my equipment. I might have changed my equipment five or six times throughout my playthrough mm -hmm. uh, because I was leveling them up. And that was basically the only way I found any type of use <laughs> in my party members <laughs> was to give them, you know, those uh, boosted stats uh, to mm -hmm. their weapons and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I paid a lot of attention to that. Um, it sounds like I probably shouldn't have, but I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there there are some games like this where you pick up so much loot and you realize, you realize, like you said, Eric, that you're spending so much time in the menus in each mission that you have to like train yourself out of that and just be like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to optimize my equipment at the end of the mission before I start the next one. That's what I'm going to do this. I can't do it every time I pick up mm -hmm. uh, a weapon. I just can't. I'll say I'm, I'm kind of a outlier here. I'm kind of weird. I love menus. I mean, I love, mm -hmm. that's why I play RPGs, right? A, yeah. lot of, <laughs> a lot of old school RPGs are very menu based. So Spending time in menus and kind of min-maxing my characters is is my jam. Yeah, I, I, I like it too. I just don't want to do it 35 times in every <laughs> level, you know? In uh, an older Final Fantasy game, you'll go through a dungeon and you'll explore and one treasure chest in the dungeon will have a new weapon for one of your characters. And that's an awesome find. And I'll immediately mm -hmm. go in the menu and equip it and stuff. But like this game just has so much fucking stuff. I can't, I can't handle it. I I'm on the same page as Keith. I am a sucker for a good menu simulator game. A hundred percent. Like I said, I'm, I, I'm a monster hunter world is my most played game of all time. And, and that game is half of the time. You're just living in menus, making new gear. And even for me, I, uh, towards the end, I was like, this is just too many menus. It's like for as good as the job system is in this game. And like Keith said, it's one of the best job systems in any final fantasy game. I don't think that can be understated. I just feel like the missed opportunity to pair that with a really good gear loot system that supports the job system. I just, I feel like they fell short of that because if you would have had that element of it that affected the gameplay as much as I felt that the jobs did. And that's where really where I got all of my satisfaction what was leveling up all the different jobs. That's where I was mainly focused on. I was like, the gear at this point is expendable. Mm -hmm. So I'm changing that out basically after every mission as I get more powerful stuff. But if they could have just had a more robust kind of gear system that I don't even know how you do that. Cause I'm not a game designer. I just, I play the games and I complain about them. I have a podcast like that's <laughs> I'm not, cause I'm not smart enough to actually make them. So, uh, but yeah, I just feel like there's a big, it's such a disconnect with how good the job system is versus how not great the loot system is. I, I just think the loot is an unfortunate byproduct of having so many jobs and needing specialized yeah. loot for every single job. Um, but mm -hmm. even in the early levels, when you only have like three jobs available to you, you still pick up like 75 pieces of equipment in the first <laughs> yeah. level. So it's, it's still there. Uh, it was <laughs> ridiculous. So yeah, pretty fun game, I guess, to, to sum up the gameplay. Like, I know we just complained about loot for <laughs> a while, but overall I did have a lot of fun playing this game. Um, mostly because I think it hit a good balance of being challenging, but not like ball crushingly difficult. And then also I had a lot of fun switching between those jobs, leveling up the different jobs, trying out all the jobs was fun, uh, which is not something I do in every game. Um, but I, I started to try out new jobs in this game, realized that like, oh, this is fun to experiment with. And I'll, I'll probably go back to old trusty black mage when I've leveled this up, but 
for now having a good time. So a lot of fun. And I will yeah, s- I, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you do find this game that hard, there's like seven different difficulties. There's like mm-hmm. four versions of easy <laughs> by itself. So you can literally turn this because uh, I messed with it after I beat the game and you can turn it to easy and you can turn it to very easy and then you can turn it to like i don't know what they call it child mode there's story and then there's like casual where you can just like go into the menus and basically like turn down it even further and i'm like okay (laughs) but there's another one there's like once you turn it down to casual there's another setting within the menu someplace where you can turn on like one hit ko's or something like that so you can just (laughs) hit enemies and they just explode like you don't Seems appropriate for Jack, though. I mean, yeah, true. yeah. that's true. <laughs> so you can Jack mode. <laughs> blow through the story or blow through the game and just experience the story. Yeah, it's oh, it's yeah. incredibly accessible <laughs> in, in that way. So yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's take a little music break. Come back and just touch on the last couple of things, which are visuals and music. to hear all the limp biscuit interstitials you put in here. <laughs> oh yeah so this game's soundtrack is uh, a combination of three people who have the music credit for this game naoshi mizuta hidenori iwasaki and ryo yamazaki with the three people credited for the ost um i it's a it is a triple a ass video game ost i think um orchestrated fun to listen to while you're in the combat. And then if you ask me two weeks later, Hey, could you hum a song from stranger of paradise? I could do the one from the PS five menu that blasts at you when you turn <laughs> the PS five on, but everything else, that's like the main theme of the game. Nothing else from the game really stuck with me. Just one of those like unfortunate things where it's like, it plays a role when you're fighting bosses and in story moments. But I, I just, I didn't, it didn't stick, you know? So yeah, I'd say it. Oh. You want to go ahead, Keith? Go ahead. I was just going to say I disagree. Um, okay. Ooh. As somebody Ooh. who loves Final Fantasy, you might not think I like Final Fantasy with how many <laughs> I actually don't like playing, but as somebody who loves the Final Fantasy franchise, there's so many. It, this is one of the things the game does so well, again, is bring back a lot of those, uh, you know, there's there's melodies from certain games kind of weaved in and remixed uh to this new soundtrack so when you're going through you know the fire cavern which is a call back to final fantasy 8 where you find ifrit they have a little bit of the melody from that area playing in the background mm-hmm. but it's remixed in a way that it's also somewhat new but familiar uh and that's just all over this game uh that one just came to mind because it's probably one of my favorite tracks in this game um but all that stuff is all over the place and so some of the other you know there are like some just generic tracks uh in this game uh but i think a lot of it is very well written very well performed and placed to really give you that hit of nostalgia you know i just um 
Yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, we didn't really talk about it, but like the first five hours of this game is legitimately a remake of Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. It, it's beat for beat. You know, right up to, you know, when they leave Cor- Cordaria, when they leave the continent, and it's literally a callback to that screenshot of the Warriors of Light leaving the continent. Even just the way the uh, they incorporate the Final Fantasy theme, I think when you first hear it, uh, Sarah's playing it on a, a fucking, what is it, a harp? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I thought that was really cool. Uh, I think at some point when Jack is listening to his iPad, his iPod, uh, the Final Fantasy theme is playing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I th- actually think it's really, really good. Uh, but uh, it, it's just one of those things Final Fantasy fans uh, will never realize unless they listen to this episode and go check out the game. <laughs> Interesting. Like, so that's really cool. I just didn't pick up on those um, kind of bringing back those those melodies from because. I didn't play Final Fantasy. I haven't played a Final Fantasy before six. I didn't play eight. I didn't recognize songs that I know from seven, nine, ten, twelve, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. if that's there, that's awesome. I just didn't pick up on I'm it. I'm trying to think like how I think so obviously Final Fantasy one is represented. Final Fantasy three. I know six and seven. Six is the worst level. The six I, 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 the <laughs> no Final spoiler, Fantasy that six, level's terrible. That level sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Final Fantasy 7 obviously uh, I mentioned the Shinra soldiers uh mm-hmm. 10 uh 9 11 and I and 13 and I think that's it. 15 is represented as well. Oh, is it? Believe it or not. Yeah, it's one of the it's the level where you're like in the palace with all like the laser doors and stuff. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that was I I can't I uh same thing as Keith uh Five first five hours in, I knew the story beats of Final Fantasy One, so I was like, "Yep, this is this is right on par for what I expect from Final Fantasy One." It wasn't until I got to the like, strangely enough, for how terrible and how much shit I give it, it wasn't until I got to the Final Fantasy Thirteen inspired level that I noticed that that's what the game was doing because for whatever reason of all my memories, I seem to have a very good recollection of the music from Final Fantasy Thirteen, which is terrifying uh and that's when i noticed in the background of that level the the piano theme kind of from final fantasy 13 like interwoven with just like the general background music and that's really when i connected the dots and figured out oh okay that's what this game is doing it is using the the missions as like inspiration to put pieces of different final fantasy games in this world and you catch that too if you read the the missives before the mission where it'll talk about oh this such and such thing this world from dimension 13 and i was like oh, okay that's final fantasy 13 or it talks about dimension 9 okay that's final fantasy 9 and yeah i caught like he said you catch it's not overwhelming to the point where it's like i think if it was they don't slap you in the face with it yeah if it was so obvious i think it would be out of place but uh, like my favorite level, obviously the Final Fantasy IX Evil Forest level had that theme just kind of playing in the back and coming in and out of the standard background music. And it, it was really cool way to just remind you of the Final Fantasiness of the whole game without beating yeah. you over the head with it. T- to be honest, the one track that I got sick of towards the end was just the battle track that played because there's only one battle track and it's, this, <laughs> it's an yeah. amalgamation of the singing <laughs> chorus music from the PS5 start screen. And every time I was just going into battle, 
choirs are screaming behind me. I'm like, can you just calm down, please? I just <laughs> give me a second here to finish this fight. But yeah, I, it's not, you're not going to be humming these songs from Stranger of Paradise, but it's going to remind you of the musical, uh, how important the music of Final Fantasy has been over the eras as you hear little bits of snippets here and there of all the different games present in this game. It's, it, it was really, really cool to kind of pick that up. Nobu Batsu, baby. You know it when you hear it. The goat. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, like you said, like, I keep on going back to this, but you really do just see how much care they put into representing the franchise. It's not mm-hmm. a blatant, you know, Disney Marvel thing where they're like, hey, did you get that reference? Did you get it? <laughs> it's like, no, they don't, they don't really point it out. But if you're Cloud paying attention, shows up it's in totally a cutscene and he's like, hey, guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> Can't believe that just happened. <laughs> I think Jack would fucking hate being in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He would just oh. be tired of everybody. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Jack would hate Cloud, and that's 100% true. He would. That is also Jack would hate almost all of the Final Fantasy characters. Yeah. Um, can you imagine Jack meeting Vaughn from Final Fantasy XII? <laughs> oh, God. Or, or Titus? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Squall is pretty based. He he almost doesn't care that's about true. anything that's either. True. So I think Jack would probably be like, my man. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so listening to you guys talk about that, it was was super interesting for me. I already said I didn't pick up on the, the music, but I didn't pick up on the levels being inspired by the other mm-hmm. games because the levels seemed to be just, this is a lava level. This is a jungle level. This yeah. is an ice <laughs> level. Uh, this is a, we're inside of a pyramid or a temple level we're in a high-tech tower level but no other distinguishing characteristics other than that so like just in the past six months i've played final fantasy 9 and final fantasy 6 i didn't catch any references to those games uh, in the level design or in the music but we we talked about that already so i came out of this thinking that the levels were dull and boring and the way that they were designed like geometry wise also very dull and boring it was all about just combat to combat to combat maybe we'll get a jack cut scene um (laughs) and the uh i do want to shout out the voice actor uh for jack uh, named um, i'm hoping i'm pronouncing motion melvin um because jack's voice acting is very good very funny really enjoyable everyone else in the game sounded like they were just like you have a decent sounding voice. Would you like to voice Neon? <laughs> yeah, I think Jack's uh, voice actor, you know, as cheesy and and campy as it might be, he owned that role. They, oh, yeah. They very clearly <laughs> told him, the the director nailed that direction for him for that role perfectly. They very much told him, it's like, this is what it's going to be, and this is the way we want you to act it. And he was like, <laughs> all right, it, it might be stupid, but he he owned it for sure. Yeah, I love I love Jack's voice actor. I, I I desperately hope we get more of this character voiced by him, for sure. Yeah, I didn't really mind a lot of the voice acting, actually. Uh, I thought it was very good for what it was. I don't play a lot of modern RPGs, just because they are... It's just way too... I don't know what else, how else to say it. They're just way too fucking anime for me. And the dialogue <laughs> is always just full of... Uh-uh. and like jack Jack does give you the uh yes yes there is still a lot of that in this game uh not as 
not as egregious as some other games. So right. I, I just find a lot of that incredibly cringy. So I just kind of stay away from it. <laughs> not that I'm saying any of those games are terrible or anything. It's just not for me. Uh-huh. But I, I thought, you know, for what it was, it was fine. Again, I was going into this game knowing it was going to be incredibly stupid. So why would I care about the voice acting? <laughs> right. I just, I did want to shout out Jack's voice actor in particular yeah, for, yeah. for owning that, like Eric said. Absolutely. Yeah. He went for those lines. He went 110% on all of that stupid <laughs> shit. He, he was probably like, wait, you want me to say what? What do you want me yeah. to scream? <laughs> I thought this was a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing too about uh, the characters, when you're walking through the stages, they will say things that reference, uh, you know, part of the environment that is also itself a reference to a Final Fantasy game. So there's that too. Yeah, the, the, it's I really enjoy how subtle that is because they really don't beat you over the head with it, even for mm-hmm. so like the most memorable level to me is the one I know the most is the evil forest level from Final Fantasy, IX, which, yes, uh, I mean, obviously, and you even texted me, he's like, let me know when you get to the Final Fantasy nine level. Uh, and just the way they incorporated the music with that, I know this is kind of dipping off music a little bit but um even like subtle things in the environment where in final fantasy 9 in the evil forest there's a spring you get to that you can drink out of that will heal your characters it's like well i found that spring in the Mm -hmm. final fantasy 9 level of strangers of paradise and yeah little things they would say would just be like little callbacks even the like there are different zones on the map where uh, they would be like certain callbacks to like specific references in the games uh another one i got to was like they mentioned uh, the part of the journey that you were on in Final Fantasy X, the, the Snow Mountain level is re- is representative of the Snow Mountain level in Final Fantasy X. I don't remember what it is, but um, they kind of talk about in not so exact ways that journey that, um, you know, Tedious and that whole gang took in that game. So it, it's very subtle, but it's just very cool about how, you know, everything from the name of the zones to very small, minute details in the environment to just the very subtle music in the back is just there to remind you of the history of Final Fantasy. That's cool. I will say I think it's um I think it's Jed. I found Jed really fucking annoying. <laughs> <laughs> like every time every time he he talked out it's always something like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, Jack. Oh, I didn't <laughs> mean to do that. Oh, next time I'll do better fighting." <laughs> it's just like, dude, all right, you can stop. You can just stop being a whiny piece of shit. I feel a, a lot like Jack right now. Like, shut up. There's a lot of Jack in all of us, 100%. <laughs> right. So that's really cool what you guys have described with the levels, like with those subtle details that uh, apparently I'm too dense for. Not the, not the first time I've been too dense to notice something on the show. Not going to be the last time. It just happens sometimes. So that is cool. Um, and yeah, wanted to, wanted to shout out the voice actor already talked about how your items, uh, your armor and stuff is shown in the cutscenes. always made me laugh when Jack is, you know, doing Jack's thing, but he's wearing a mask that has no eye or mouth holes in it. <laughs> and so yeah, good times. Um, so good time to uh, get into some final thoughts and recommendations, uh, for stranger of paradise. So the question that we ask in this portion of the show is, do you have any wrap-up thoughts um, on the game? We've talked a lot about it up until this point, but also, who would you recommend this game to? I guess uh, I'll take it first since Keith is there in in stoic contemplation. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I went into this game 
even with, you know, Keith telling me stuff about it, even after hearing everything around it, I honestly didn't know what to expect going into this game. And I, for every reason that this game has to not be successful, it, I found myself really enjoying my, my time with it. And I think if you are a Final Fantasy fan, if you have played any number of these games that you're, that you would consider yourself more than just like a passing casual fan, I think that you should give this game a look because there are subtle details there that uh, you will recognize. And I think you will, you will appreciate Uh, if anything, it's great for just a like 20 to 30 hour action game that, you know, I guess it doesn't really matter too much. If you understand the story or the lore, you can just enjoy Jack being Jack for 30 hours and just killing some final fantasy monsters. And, Mm -hmm. You know, in an age where every it seems like every game that come out has to either redefine the industry or it's a failure, we could use more just like you like Dave said, like we just need more of like these really great seven out of ten games, and that's what this is. So, yeah, I, if you if you can pick it up on sale, there's no reason you shouldn't at least try it. Yeah, so I would recommend this to people that could never or don't like Final Fantasy games. <laughs> Conversely, if you do like Final Fantasy games, you're really doing yourself a disservice on playing a really good video game. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong because you all hate Final Fantasy 16 without even playing it. So, uh, man, I am just really shit talking Final Fantasy fans. I'm sure Dave does not does not condone any of that. This is a main quest podcast opinion only. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I- I'm going to kind of echo a lot of things that that Eric just said. It It is quite literally, yeah, the best 7 out of 10 game. We didn't talk about it visually. It's also like the best looking PS3 game that I've ever played. <laughs> it's like enjoyable trash. It's enjoyable garbage. I I feel like this game was made for me because it's not serious. It's. I don't care about graphics that much, but it looks fine. I don't care about story that much and story's fine. Like, yeah, you said it perfectly. It is a perfect seven out of 10 game. You're missing out on an enjoyable action game. Don't, don't think too much about it. It gets a little long in the tooth. It sags in the middle a little bit. Guess what, baby? Bump that difficulty down. Just get through (laughs) it. Who cares? Uh You know? So yeah. Uh, I think you're really missing out if you skip out on this game, to be honest. It's probably one of my favorite games that uh, came out in 2022. And if I could just bring up one point, too, that I, that I thought of, and I think Keith triggered that by bringing up the the Doom comparison. Um, people give Jack a lot of shit for being like a one note character for having like a singular focus. But it's like y'all like Doom guy out there and his only personality <laughs> is just killing demons. So it's like it, this isn't this isn't anything different than that. I mean, I wouldn't say Doom Guy has any more personality than Jack. So just just shut up. You're just hating at that point. Doom Guy has way less personality than Jack. Jack is <laughs> I <sad>. agree. <laughs> Jack is a force of nature. And <laughs> had they let Jack cook for all 20 hours that I played, this would have been like, you know, retroactively like in my top 3 from 2022 i love this game when i was playing it i had a great time (laughs) and it sags we talked about that but like 
I just really commend them for making a game, a Final Fantasy game that doesn't take itself too seriously. Like obviously with the way that Jack is characterized and the way that the script is written, they wanted to have fun with this and I had fun with it uh, too. So I think I recommend it, like you guys said, to people who like have a lot of appreciation for the series and played a bunch of games in the series and you can pick up on all that stuff that I missed. Like that stuff's there for you people. Um, if you like new metal and the attitude uh, surrounding it, this game is for you. Uh, more than any other video game I've ever played since like Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. This game is for you. And like if you if you wanted the flavor of Final Fantasy with a an established, like really good action combat developer like Team Ninja, this game is for you too. Um I, I really think like if you value games that take big swings in weird directions, you should also play this regardless of how you feel about Final Fantasy. Cause it it's a weird game. It's it's the characters and stuff are not like a bunch of other stuff I played, especially AAA Square Enix games. So pretty easy for me to recommend this. Uh, just like it's easy for me to recommend that people listen to the Unlockables and the main quest. <laughs> Eric, where can people find the Unlockables? It's a masterful transition. Oh, yeah. Very well done. Very well <laughs> done. But uh, yeah, if you want to interact with me, uh, hi, my name is Eric. I host the Unlockables podcast. You can find it wherever podcasts are available, I I think. Uh, if it's not available on your podcatcher of choice, just let me know and I'll put it there for you. But uh, if you want to interact with me, all my links are on linktr.ee forward slash unlockables podcast. That's the Twitter, the Instagram, all that good stuff. That's where I interact with most people. You can join the Discord. Uh, we have a great group of people. Dave and Keith are both there and we just mm-hmm. hang out. We have a good time. Uh, post some things that will not be mentioned uh, on a certain <laughs> channel that is cursed. But uh, just you'll have to sign up and see what that's all about. And then uh, if you feel so inclined, we have the uh, Patreon at patreon.com forward slash unlockables. Uh, you can sub at two tiers and just get a couple of extra goodies, a couple of extra side projects I'm running. And uh, I'm eternally grateful for anybody that decides to do that. So, yep. And Keith, main quest. Yeah. So a lot like Strangers of Paradise to Final Fantasy. If you like a little bit of Dorito dust in your podcast, <laughs> catch a main quest podcast on pretty much any podcasting platform. If you're listening to this, you can probably listen to my podcast. Otherwise, uh, anywhere else, uh, link tr.ee forward slash main quest pod. It's probably going to be in the show notes. You don't it even have be. to write it down. Mm hmm. <laughs> The, the listener who's got a notepad and they're furiously writing down, okay, link dot, link tr dot. <laughs> yeah, it's all in the show notes. Uh, so again, I'll, I'll recommend that people check out both the Unlockables and uh, Main Quest podcast. Um, the Unlockables for interviews with other creators and all of your Kingdom Hearts needs uh, and Main Quest for the journey through all of these retro games and retro gaming systems. Um, down in the show notes, you'll find that again, big recommendation. Now, to support Tales from the Backlog, uh, if you would be so kind as to go and leave a rating and review if you haven't already, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pump that up this time. really helps out all of us. In fact, go leave a rating and review for the Unlockables and the main quest as well. Um, you don't have to listen to it. Spotify makes you listen, but you can listen to two seconds of two episodes, then you can do it. So go ahead. <laughs> Uh, give all of us ratings and reviews. It's really helpful. There's also a Patreon for this show and my other show called A Top 3 Podcast. If you want to support 
uh, monetarily. I appreciate everyone who does. Everyone who doesn't, still love you too. Don't worry. Um, Yeah, join the Discord server for those two podcasts. Um, We have a lot of really cool people in the Discord server. Great growing community. We'd love to have you too. So Eric, Keith, and I are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to go into Nomura land, talk about the story for Final Fantasy Origin, uh, Stranger of Paradise. Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. I switched it up. Music. and it's spoiler time for Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin the um, Nomura elements of this story have gotten into my brain and I'm starting to mix up the words in the title but we're back (laughs) and it's time for spoilers and this is going to be an episode where we're going to spoil like late game revelations right now we're not going to go in chronological order through this story so if you haven't played and you don't want to be spoiled um, get out moving on uh, Keith, as someone who played Final Fantasy, are the Lufenians and this uh, cycle and controlling the balance of light and dark a thing in the original Final Fantasy? Sort of. <laughs> of course, of course, that's the answer. <laughs> so, the the Lufenians are you, you don't they're they're an end game type of race that you run into. And I believe, I be- it's been a while since I played the first Final Final Fantasy, but I believe that's where you get your airship from. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they are this like technological race of beings who aren't from Earth or whatever planet this happens to be. Final Fantasy has a weird thing of just not calling their planets Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually like Gaia or something like mm-hmm. that, which is essentially the same thing. But I digress. So they are like this huge technological race of very incredibly smart race of human, human beings, beans. And yeah, obviously you get your airship from them. Mm-hmm. They have like this lore of, yes, wanting to uh, bring light to balance the darkness and vice versa. And that's pretty much it. That's all they really get into in the first Final Fantasy. Because again, it's my, under, it's my understanding that they also give the prophecy of the Warriors of Light, which is basically yeah. what the first Final Fantasy is about. Yeah. So, I mean, it's there's not a lot going on there. Uh, it's basically just like five text boxes. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's an NES game. I, I don't know. I don't know what you would expect. But uh, yeah. So right. It's it's in there, but it's not in there. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So the big, I don't know how much of a spoiler this is. And I don't honestly like Keith, like you said, no one's talking about this game. Not that many people bought it. I mean, since if there's only 47,000 people that bought it, the three of us make a statistically significant percentage of that. (laughs) So, um, the fact that this is not a remake of final fantasy one and it's a prequel is kind of like a 
not so secret spoiler, I feel like, uh, because even I didn't play Final Fantasy. I know one of the early bosses in that game is named Garland, and this is Jack Garland that we play as. So like, even I was like, you know, are they just remaking the story with one of the bosses? But no, it's a, it's a prequel. So we'll get to how that kind of happens. And I don't know if it's a canon prequel or an alternate universe prequel. Who fucking Listen, knows? It could be. <laughs> It could be. You know, I mentioned the MCU earlier. Yeah. What if everything's connected, Dave? Oh, God. Hold, hold that thought. We're going to get there. Jack is not going to like that. The and, that everything's connected. And yeah, and I think because people were rightfully so making fun of this game upon its reveal and that that was the, in fact, the remake that was leaked you know, people were a little upset and then Team Ninja or somebody <laughs> from Square made a press release and was like, uh, it's not really a remake, mm-hmm. but, you know, Jack, this dude's name is Jack Garland and he is Garland. And because of the events of Final Fantasy, that also means that at the same time he is chaos. Uh, again, it's Final mm-hmm. Fantasy. It's convoluted, baby. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wasn't really like none of that is really a spoiler, especially if you've played the final fantasy game. So, I mean, I guess team Ninja or whatever technically spoiled the very first final fantasy game, but also like that game's <laughs> fucking 35 years old. So who who cares? <laughs> like, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't know that that's where this story was going with, like I knew that it was going somewhere bad because Jack's a boss in the game, but I didn't know that Jack becoming chaos was going to be where we were heading. Uh, So that was cool. When the story started going that way, I was like, oh, this is interesting. I didn't see this coming. That was not the part that interested me. That that was not the part where I was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) But we think it's interesting to we basically get to that point. I, it's almost like 80% of the way through the game. I think one of your last visits to the the main city of, of Cornelia where, um, basically, like you said, uh, the Lufenians are exist in this world, but they're basically, they've retreated from this world and gone to a different dimension. And their ultimate goal is to have like this balance of light and dark in this world to create this, this perfect utopia. That is their, that is their overall goal. And, um, everybody that you play as, or you play as Jack and his party are part of what the Lufenians invented. It's called the stranger project. And they use the strangers to kind of help maintain (laughs) this balance of light and darkness. No, hang on. This is the classic Nomura stuff. This is fantastic. I'm just, I'm just just laughing because I I want to, it sounds ridiculous. No, it sounds like when you sit on your hand for a long time and masturbate, the stranger project, the stranger stranger project, so, which obviously this game gets its name from Stranger of Paradise. So, yeah, the Lufenians are trying to maintain <laughs> this balance of light and darkness in this world to uh, achieve this perfect utopia. And the strangers are there to pretty much help uh, bring the ba- bring the darkness levels back into uh, acceptable parameters for whatever it is that they're doing. And that's why Jack is here. That's why nobody can remember shit. That's the whole thing is the Lufenians are behind all of this. Right. So Jack and co are the, the strangers, uh, they're regulators, uh, sent in to correct whichever needs to be corrected. Regulators. 
did it. So Jack and company are sent to, if things are too light, introduce darkness. Things are too dark, curb the darkness, kick the darkness back, call it uh, whatever. Reset the balance. And if they fail, they just reset the world. Uh, So... This this is like you said. This is why Jack Jack doesn't remember anything at the beginning except that he has to kill chaos. That is all he knows, and he has to kill chaos because chaos is the one thing the Lufenians can't control. So that's why they go into their plan um, later on. Chaos. Thank you to our friend uh, Nomura. I feel like this is a very Nomura thing. Chaos is darkness mixed with human emotion which feel like giving emotions and things like that, like tangible effects in the world, like becoming a monster, a very Nomura (laughs) thing to do, right? It's, this is textbook Nomura. This is where (laughs) after dealing with his bullshit for 25 years of my life, this is where I can, like you you said it earlier in the episode, I can see the code, the matrix code. (laughs) In the story of of what he's trying to do, yeah, it's it's classic, light versus dark. It's classic, you know, humans are are fallible, and their emotions and their hearts cause a lot of the devastation and terrible things <laughs> in the world, but also cause good things to happen. And uh, it's not always as cut and dry as it seems, right? It's not the oh, light is good and darkness is bad. It's like oh, well, they both exist, and you need them in equal amounts to ha- maintain that balance. It's the balance of nature stuff. That's textbook nomura 101 syllabus day that's that's all his stuff so keith what was it if it, if it's not the like the backstory that we just set up what was it about the story that you thought was particularly interesting so when the story kind of seemingly drops out when they finally figure out what when jed ash and neon or whoever the hell else you may happen to have in your party because yeah. it doesn't matter as we talked. <laughs> <laughs> when they start to decide they're going to help Jack get his memories back. And going through these stages, right? Which are part of him getting his memories back. He has to remember reliving these these moments or whatever and going and, and destroying these these uh agents of chaos, I think that's what they call them. Mm-hmm. And when they bring in the the Lufenians and talk about how uh, essentially uh, they are. See, this is all. It's been so long since I've played the game, so I'm trying to recall recall this reveal the best I can. <laughs> um, they're basically insinuating that along the lines, somehow, some way, and I have no explanation for this. Maybe Eric is mind melded with Namora, so maybe he can explain it better than yeah. I can. Uh, they have like that, what's that thing where twins like when they find out like their twin is in trouble? Like, <laughs> yeah, they have that, a feeling or whatever. My so, Nomura like, sense is tingling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, whenever Namora stubs his toe, Eric also stubs his toe. <laughs> so they're alluding to the fact that s- somehow the strangers have also influenced or have been in the Final Fantasy games that are referenced in each of these levels. Hmm. And so, yeah, when that reveal happens at the end of the game, that the Lefenians do have control of time, and they can continually 
reset timelines and send the strangers to wherever they want. That's when it clicked with me when I was like, oh, like he's been on this whole thing to restore his memories, this little journey to restore his memories. All the while, not knowing that like the levels that we are playing, yeah, are cute little references, but also they play a role in the fact that because Jack is going through these specific areas, regaining his memories, that he could have at some point been in Final Fantasy VIII. I did not pick up on that, Eric. Did you? <laughs> um. So when when Keith finished the game and uh. He was messaging me about it. One of one of his messages that he sent me was, I can't wait for Jack to be in Kingdom Hearts 4. And <laughs> as, as soon as he sent me that message, I was like, oh, okay, I have an idea of what is happening here. So basically what Keith is insinuating is that um, the Lufenians kind of have their hand in the goings on of the Final Fantasy, I guess if you want to call it the multiverse, the multi-dimension, all of these games. Because and this isn't by far not the first game to kind of insinuate this. We have the Dissida games where all of these Final Fantasy characters kind of come together. Oh, and yeah, shit. that's a that's a whole fucking oh, other fuck. <laughs> dude, that's a whole other can of worms that we can that we're not gonna open right now. Uh oh so, my god, I forgot. So yeah, so what it appears to be is that the entire... It's not specifically stated because we mostly focus on the Final Fantasy 1 story mythos universe. But yeah, we're going through these other areas that are rep- that represent the other Final Fantasies. Uh, do Are the Lufenians kind of in charge of everything that's kind of going on in the other Final Fantasy games? They're treating Final Fantasy 1 like this experiment. They're able to reset the timeline to try and attain this perfect balance of of light and darkness. It's been inferred through conversations with Asos, with these data logs that you find in the game, that this is not the first time they've reset the world. They've reset the world hundreds of times to try and right. get this correct. And again, this is another very Nomura thing, a mysterious shadow figures organization behind pulling the strings. And you kind of start organization, to see- you say. <laughs> yes, you kind of start to see, okay, Nomura's pulling the same bullshit he did in Kingdom Hearts, kind of, this is this all part of whatever grand scheme he has going on. But that is that is the big reveal of this game, is that the, the Lufenians are kind of causing all of this stuff to, to happen. And when Jack finds this out, um, him and Astos basically, in one of Jack's previous times in the world set up this plan to turn him into chaos and stop the Lufenians from abusing the people of this world, just resetting their lives over and over and keeping them essentially perpetually trapped. Despite the fact that from the Lufenian point of view, they're trying to create a perfect world for them, but they're really kind of doing it in a really shitty way. You, basically you guys, what I got out of it. You guys played Final Fantasy X, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. When's the last time you guys played it? Has it been a while? A couple years ago. Uh, a it's, couple um, years, yeah. Oh, I so... I went back and played like, I don't know, the first three hours of it, um, a little bit after I played this game. And that first time you have like, you're forced to play Blitzball. If mm-hmm. you're paying attention, you look close enough. Jack Garland is sitting in the crowd. No fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm lying. No, I was just <laughs> saying, I was like, dude, I'm like, no way. 
<laughs> that little kid that Tita signs an autograph for in the first chapter. That's Jack. <laughs> <laughs> he's also one of the nobles in the final fantasy IX sword fight at the beginning exactly yes. yeah you, you have oh to my look. god yeah you get a, oh you get my a text god. box queen Braun was impressed and jack was impressed and jack garland was impressed <laughs> no it was like jack garland didn't give a fuck yeah right. <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> oh man but anyway yeah i was i my jaw dropped with the the uh whatever this might might do to the final fantasy not not even the final fantasy universe because i don't think namora is even involved in 16 so i don't maybe think so. this is a way for him to introduce because i think and eric can correct me because you are the kingdom hearts <laughs> guy uh i don't think kingdom hearts 3 really had any final fantasy characters no, you're right. It did not. So maybe this is an easy way for Nomura to get Final Fantasy character because technically Jack is a Final Fantasy character. So mm-hmm. Jack could very much just come into Kingdom Hearts, right? Okay, okay. D- Dave, how far off the deep end are you going to allow me to go here? Just please. Dude, I'm giving you please. a diving bell. Okay. All right. <laughs> So, yes, that was one of the big things was the fact that there was little to no Final Fantasy representation in Kingdom Hearts 3. It was a very, very big deal. Uh, Nomura in interviews has said going forward that they want to reintroduce that element in Kingdom Hearts 4. And they're trying to figure out a way to balance that between that and the Disney stuff. Because, you know, you must appease your corporate mouse overlords first and foremost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But... One aspect of this story that is very easily overlooked if you don't get a lot of the data logs or pay attention to some of that extra stuff is, and this is where my insane lord dive today went into the deep end, Lufenians, before they start running experiments on the world of Cornelia, meet this other dimensional being only known as the Collaborator. That's all that he's referenced. It's referenced as they are referenced as it's not gendered or anything like that. This is some real like bungee naming convention shit. The witness, the traveler, the, oh, the, yeah. co- the collaborator. It's it's some real bullshit. Um, but the collaborator, they they go, they talk to him and say they basically want to save their world Cornelia because they know it's going to be destroyed in several thousand years due to the imbalance. And the collaborator is like, OK, I can help you with that because he's an super smart extra planar being and the collaborator is the one who gives lufenians the elemental crystals and the crystals allow the lufenians to be able to reset the world as many times as they want so mm-hmm. they place the crystals in the world and the people basically end up worshiping these crystals which creates the <laughs> imbalance of light which causes the lufenians to inject the world of darkness to balance it out um Jack and Astos come up with their plan to stop this when they figure out that the collaborator and the Lufenians discover that humanity is basically the cause of the imbalance and they plan to just flood the world with so much darkness it's going to turn everybody into monsters and then the strangers can just kill all the monsters and they don't feel bad about it and then the world will be perfect because, you know, genocide is the solution to every problem apparently. Um, we do not That'll know nice who this collaborator to, uh... Yes, put that out there the for sure. Um, if you ever want to ruin my career, Dave, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> we do not know who this collaborator is. The game ends without us, that question being answered. 
Uh, and that is a very Nomura thing. Even more than a shadowy organization in the background pulling the strings is a person pulling the strings, pulling the strings. Right. Uh, that right. is textbook Nomura. <laughs> and um, there are a couple of theories posited as to who this might be that unifies the universe, right? Just, um, are I, you laughing at me? I'm so, I'll keep going no, if I you just, want. I like, just love how you're almost profiling Nomura as if he's a serial killer. Yes. Yeah. He, <laughs> I mean, it's the only I've way to it. understand these games. <laughs> I've got it locked down. Um, So there are a couple of theories. The first is uh, being that this person could be Sid because the original Sid from Final Fantasy one was a Lufenian. He invented the airship. Uh, He was like one of the technological scientist leaders of like the Lufenians before they disappeared. Sid isn't even in Final Fantasy. In Final Fantasy one? No, he's not. Sid isn't a Mm. thing until Final Fantasy two. They said that he was the creator of the airship that you find interesting okay so we're gonna toss that one aside because that's not even my most interesting one uh the second one that was positive was that the collaborator <laughs> is tetsuya nomura himself well yeah which i thought that would be <laughs> hilarious and super like meta Suspect of him to do one, that man <laughs> yeah I, I thought that was awesome but um the most interesting theory that has a lot of evidence combined with it and makes keith's sentiment where he's like it'd be cool if jack could meet sora hold a lot of weight is uh, there is a character in Kingdom Hearts called the Master of Masters. He has been the puppet master behind everything that's happening, even more than Master Xehanort was. And uh, his background is very kind of sad. He's lost a lot of people close to him fighting the darkness. And so he basically has a plan to defeat the darkness that involves killing a lot of people. It's been hinted at through as many times as we've seen him, which is not a lot. And so a lot of people are positing that this might be Nomura's way to bring the Kingdom Hearts universe into Final Fantasy through uh, the master antagonist of the Kingdom Hearts franchise, the Master of Masters. So (laughs) that could potentially be that because he has been shown in those games to have a understanding of technology beyond normal people. He invents a book of prophecies that basically foretells the future. He invents the first Keyblades. Uh, He makes a deal with Lufenians that anytime they reset the world, there's a large uh, output of energy and that the only trade-off for the Lufenians and the collaborators, the collaborators like, Hey, I'll give you this technology. I'm taking the energy for whenever you do these resets though. Um, in order to summon kingdom hearts in the game, which is a power source that can basically reset the entire world to any state you want it to be, you need a large amount of energy to do so. So that is my information. That is my case. Do with that what you will bravo so i'm i'm so in i awe. do i do just want to confirm i did google it uh sid is not in the first final fantasy he is not okay so then that person was lying so fuck that person but sorry if i watch you YouTube video. just went total you went total chaos mode that i yeah. i would applaud but this is a podcast and that might not come through <laughs> on the mic very well but holy fucking shit <laughs> I, knew, uh, I, I, I had a feeling like i was just like there's Listen, it's there's, not it's there's so not much 100% in this game. Yet. There's a lot of like we the Master of Master has been mentioned in maybe a handful of cutscenes ever, but everything we know about him seems to line up with what this collaborator person wants to achieve and at the end of KH3, the uh Master of Masters is in a place that seems to be tied to the Final Fantasy universe because Nomura in the Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC put a lot of ideas from his canceled versus 13 game in there. So much so that the cutscenes are identical to that demo that took place years ago. 
And so all of this is just leading up to whatever Nomura's fucking master plan is for this. It, it's, <laughs> it has to be. There has to be something going on. <laughs> and this is why it's a shame that only 47,000 people are going to play this game because this game might end up being like the most important Final Fantasy game of all time. Oh, it's, so, it's going to yeah. be lore. So what you're saying is <laughs> that this game will have a spot on guiding keys in the future. That's how it's looking. It, it might. Uh, when we get to the mobile games where the master is introduced and all this shit starts happening, <laughs> dude, it's going to get crazy. But uh, yeah, I just thought maybe your listeners would enjoy this this Pepe Silvia version of me. Uh, <laughs> yes. Th- this is what I, people say Nomura is fucking crazy, but he seems to have some kind of master plan. And I don't. Seems like he's we'll made see. you crazy. He has. he has. With all due respect, of course. That's fine. But uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so this is a way for what Keith's offhanded joke to become reality. That, you know, if Jack makes an appearance in Kingdom Hearts 4, I'm going to play it. And I have no interest in Kingdom Hearts as it stands right now. But if he's in Kingdom Hearts 4 and he's talking to Sora and fucking Donald Duck, then I'm going to probably punch his Donald right in the fucking face. Honestly. <laughs> That would be that would be it. That's be all we need. God, I want that. I want this so bad. Uh, make it so happen. Bad. We're we're willing this into the universe. Let's make this be true. <laughs> I want him. I want Jack to have a whole conversation with Goofy. Yes, he wouldn't. He wouldn't get three words out of it without just walking away. And Sora would try his damn fucking hardest to be friends with him too, and Jack would just not have any of it. No, no, no time for it. No. <laughs> so. Yeah, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. That was incredible. Let's take a music break. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to get into how this game ends. We got to just let that sink in for everybody. My fucking brain is on fire. <laughs> Might be because I have this headband on too tight. So what we what Eric kind of touched on there is um, Jack figured Jack and Astos figured out this plan and they they concoct their own plan to make Jack become chaos uh, because this is the only thing that can stop the Lufenians. It's the only thing they can't control. Um, the only problem is Jack keeps getting memory wiped and he makes a promise to Astos in a, a cutscene that he's going to remember him and come back and they're going to continue their plan. And then obviously he doesn't, he keeps getting memory wiped and Astos kind of becomes the Joker while this is happening like dozens of times. So you (laughs) yada, 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 you fight Astos because of course you do. And we get to like the final part of the game, which I thought was a cool uh, story section for once in this where they have the plan to, let let jack become chaos um jack kind of lost his drive there for a bit and then he um he he has this thing where he's like i need a reason to fight i need somebody to hate and so they turn that on the lufenians and this this plot that they remember to make him become chaos so this will set up the ideal conditions for the real warrior of light prophecy to come true which is what happens in final fantasy one uh so so i've heard um, so you go to the castle, there's a big attack. The queen 
uh, gets hurt. She dies, I think. And then we have the one big poignant story moment that I thought where um, your party seizes the opportunity to make the darkness overcome Jack and they attack him. Uh, And you are forced uh, in gameplay to kill your own party members. And regardless of how you feel of Ash, Jed, and Neon, and the fourth character, who I can't remember her name because uh, I didn't write it down, um, <laughs> it is kind of like uh, cool and sad to kill your party members uh, one by one as Jack like begs them to stop, basically. Um, Jack doesn't want to do this. This is the first time in the entire story he's not down with the plan. Um, so this was kind of cool. I thought. Yeah, I can't remember an instance where you have, like, your party turn on you in a Final Fantasy game. There are instances where, like, specific characters will turn on you. Or, or I mean, that trope has been done before. But, yeah, not so much where it's like, well, your whole party is now. You just have to kill all of them. Uh, yeah. It's not like they made you kill Aerith in Final Fantasy VII or anything like that. So, yeah, it's it was it was real powerful, real emotional for a man that has shown zero emotions except for I don't fucking care for the entire game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> God damn it, Keith. I, uh, I mean, at this point in the game, I was kind of like, I kind of want to just end it. Uh, so this, I was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Well, I mean, I mean I, like I, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I understood like the heaviness of it because it's like, well, at some point I was waiting for them to die. Right. Because they talk about how, if a stranger dies, they basically turn into uh, one of Chaos's agents and kind of goes, uh, darkness creeps in, or however you want to say it. There, there's more darkness. It's such a weird fucking thing to say. There's more darkness <laughs> yeah. in the world. Uh, so the stranger dies, creates more darkness, creates more of an imbalance. Sorry, you'll get used to it after like 10 years. <laughs> uh, so I was waiting for them to die at some point. I didn't think it was going to be by Jack. But then knowing that Jack has to become chaos, I was like, oh, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. But it, it makes sense. And so that extra darkness oh, mixed with all of Jack's emotions, because Jack's an emotional boy, uh, causes more chaos. And then it overtakes Jack and you become chaos. Uh, so you have a plan with Astos to ambush the Lufenians at like the extraction point because they've been on this mission. Um, so he goes there, he, he tells them to fuck off. Basically, uh, they summon some kind of champion. You fight it. Uh, the killing blow for this boss is Jack punches it in the nuts. <laughs> this final one, the final blow, I mean, like the cutscene. So fitting end to the game. Uh, this is when they, Jack starts being Jack again. Uh, so that was great. And then, um, that, scene from the beginning plays out again only you see the beginning of it which is jack going and taking the throne uh, of chaos and he's going to wait for the warriors of light to come uh, i suppose and then the credits roll and frank sinatra's my way plays during the credits which made me laugh out loud Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> of they all play the unexpected. Earlier? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm, I'm sure. I think they do. I think they play it earlier, maybe like the start too. But yeah, I don't. But of all the unexpected turns that this game took, and all the insane lore dives that I just went on, uh, this was the most unexpected one. I, I got, <laughs> you know, I expected maybe like a new metal, like like yeah, like your Linkin Park or like a Limp Bizkit song to show up or something. But yeah, definitely not not my boy Frank. That was un, uh, unforeseen. <laughs> 
Well, if there's anybody who embodies the message of that song, it's Jack. <laughs> a little it's disappointed true. they didn't play My Way from Limp Bizkit. By Limp that Bizkit, was, right. That's what I was thinking. It's Which almost has the exact same message. <laughs> exactly, yeah. May fit Jack a little bit more. Yeah. Jack is a little bit more on the Fred Durst side of the spectrum, <laughs> the byway spectrum. I really am the Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed they didn't have a red New York Yankees hat to wear as, a, as an item. He's sitting on the I, throne of chaos at the end with a, <laughs> with a red New York Yankees cap on. hat. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say I'm now going to uh, compare all people on the Frank Sinatra, uh, Fred Durst scale of uh, comparison for, <laughs> for for now to all time so yep. we that, that we all canon. fit on there somewhere yeah <laughs> so oh. uh that was that was a cool end like the ending of the story is pretty cool frank sinatra caught me off guard i laughed through the credits um and then yeah it like i came out of this wanting to play the original final fantasy game mm-hmm. and like you said eric probably the pixel remaster uh if anything i have the nes version um like on emulators and stuff, but I heard the pixel remaster is good. So why not mm-hmm. do it that way? Yeah. And I was really intrigued too, because I think one of those end cutscenes you see is, uh, Jack sitting there in the garland armor, uh, sitting there and the door opens and the four warriors of light. Yeah. Slowly walk in and you notice, cause that one guy has that stupid fucking hat with the horns. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, then it kind of just cuts off and it, you'd be like, Oh, Maybe one day it would be cool to have like a more modern take on Final Fantasy one. But uh, yeah, I think for now, the Pixel Remaster will do just fine. Yeah. Keith, did you play the Pixel Remaster or um, no, NES but version? Knowing you, that is probably going to be the way to go because there's yeah. going to be a lot more uh, <laughs> quality of life uh, yes. things over the NES. I do love the NES version for all its faults. But mm-hmm. I think even in the episode that I did, I was like, this does not fucking hold up. It is broken it is mm. it is pokemon green and <laughs> blue whatever the fuck versions green and red broke it like that it's broken yeah but uh mm. i still like it i just ha- cool. i just got the nostalgia nostalgia for it so yeah uh definitely in the plans um i'll put it in the next like the group of final fantasy games i want to play next is to play the original so i have jack to thank for that and I have the two of you to thank uh, for coming on the show and talking about it with me. Thank you guys so much. This is another transition for you, Eric. This is pro podcasting shit. Um, <laughs> thank you guys so much. This has been exactly what I wanted uh, this episode to be. Thanks, thanks, thanks for, for having me. me. Uh, you go first. Uh, <laughs> I always have to time Keith's pauses because I never know. Especially I can't judge by his eyes with those mirror sunglasses. Exactly. He's committed to the sunglasses for the whole show. It's really right. impressive. We're, we're past two hours now with the sunglasses and the headscarf. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Dave, thank you so much. And I appreciate you letting me just kind of go on my rambling TED talk there at the end about how Nomura's master plan is to unite uh, the entire Square Enix universe. So uh, <laughs> we'll, I guess we'll see if that happens and we'll see if Jack is at the the forefront of whatever that looks like. Uh there's been speculation because uh, of all the different levels or name the different dimensions, right? Like Dimension 9 is Final Fantasy 9. The Lufenians come out of Section 19. So people are like, hey, that's Final Fantasy 19. But Ooh, I guess shit. we'll have to wait till then to see if that's what's going to fucking happen. Look forward to that in 2041 <laughs> when we get Final Fantasy 19. Right. Well, when they do eventually remake that Final Fantasy 9 game, I said that Final Fantasy 9 game like it's just <laughs> a game. Um <laughs> Jack Garland. Put yeah. Jack Garland in there. Yeah. 
Just but yeah, unassuming. Um, well, there is there is Garland in that game. Well, there's a Garland in almost all of the Final Fantasies too. It's just one of those running things. Well, yeah, yeah. it's it. That's what we thought before this. Now that Eric went off on Ooh. that that big mm-hmm. um, explanation yeah. that Nomuro mm-hmm. <laughs> five hundred one level class. Who knows? Yeah. No, and no more is no more is the final boss of the whole series. <laughs> right now. And yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me back on, Dave. It's I'll you know, I'll take any chance I got to praise uh this game and it's <laughs> unlimited fucking off the wall goofiness. Uh, yeah. Yeah, people should play this game. Absolutely. When I was putting this um thinking about this episode, I was like, Well, I gotta get Keith on here because I know Keith wants to talk about it um any chance he gets and then i was like eric said he wanted to play it too let me get him on little did i know that we were going to get the the full nomura (laughs) dissertation Uh, so that great choice so thank you guys again thank you everybody for listening tune in next week for the next game to come out of the backlog 